am beyond excited to have Ashley Fontes Comber with me today on the Athlete Mindset Podcast. It's going to be awesome and fun. So welcome, Ashley. Thanks for being here with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. So I started to get to know of you at the Soccer X convention this last November. And there were some things that I, I mean, there were many things I loved about sitting in on your panel and just listening to you talk. One thing that I really loved, and I'm going to get into that in a minute because I want to introduce you formally first. I'm see, I'm so excited. I'm getting in front of myself because I'm like, who is Ashley? I already know, but y'all probably don't know. So let me just do that first because I'm excited to jump in. So with over 24 years of experience in the sports industry, Ashley Fontes Comber is a barrier-breaking leader, founder, speaker, scholar, and advisor who is passionate about advancing women's soccer and challenging the status quo. She's the owner and CEO of Tallahassee Reckoning, the professionally operated women's soccer franchise that is breaking geographic and institutional barriers in the sport. Is that you, Ashley? <laughs> a little bit, I think. That's part of me. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's go there. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. There's so many aspects to you, and I think it's important for those of us, especially women, women of color in sports, in the soccer industry, to be sometimes put into boxes, put into certain situations. How else would you talk about yourself or name your identities besides what I just read? Yeah, I'm a free spirit, just a a lover of life, live it to the fullest, surround myself by my family and friends and, and guided by my spirituality, I think. I love that. I love that. See, there's already a depth to who you are as a person. And I think people need to know that we're not just workhorses. We're not just robots. We don't just go out there and produce and there's more to us. And it's important to actually have something like all of the things, spirituality, free spirit, who you are to help guide the purpose behind the work. So I really, really appreciate that. So let me get back to what I was saying before. So (laughs) I did... Start to know of you at Soccer X in November. We were both there. We both spoke on panels. It was great for me to be able to sit on in on yours. There was something that I loved about, about it and that spoke to my heart directly in that there's something about you want to start things. You want to like groundbreak, start things, and then put people in position to take it from there. I might be misquoting, but that's kind of what I got from it. Is that what you were saying or did I mishear? Yes. No, you're right. I do. I enjoy creating opportunities for others. And I can expand on that. It like This is... I think it's driven by my own personal experiences with opportunities not existing for me. And mm. I've had to go out and create them for myself. For example, like the original Women's Professional League, WUSA, folded right before I graduated college. Mm-hmm. So there was no professional league to play in or work for, right? So it was almost like being on a road that just abruptly ended. Um, and there's no continued pathway or bridge to cross. So I think that stuck with me a bit. And also, you know, and I will touch on it later, but just observing what my father went through and opportunities or non-opportunities. So there was this concept of how do you get opportunity and where are those equitable spaces within them? So using that and jumping into when I started working with USL semi-pro team, DC United Women, uh-huh. and transformed it into the Washington Spirit, which is a founding member of the NWSL. 
Mm-hmm. It was cool to, you know, okay, we can, at the time it was grinding to create something that didn't exist. And it was just the belief and the conceptualization of, hey, we want to create where it is now. NWSL, historic league. I mean, everything that's happening, it's like, that was our crazy belief when we were in there grinding, right? Same way with the Girls Academy League. We created that out of necessity and I made sure we did it the right way for the players and by the players. And then, you know, this is all connected with FSU Women's Soccer to get there at the turn of the program in 99 to set the records that essentially laid the foundation to the dynasty that it is today. And you don't quite know what you're doing when you're doing it, what you're creating. But then when you look back, you're like, holy smokes, like these are highly coveted roles now or institutions to be a part of. And I'm like, all right, I think I kind of found my niche. I love serving people. And then being able to create these opportunities, I'm like, all right, let's keep going. Where are those needs? Where do they lie in terms of who needs more equitable spaces and opportunities and how do we create them? No, it's amazing. I mean, I don't want to like minimize what you just said, but it sounds like there's a way that you are moved by creating spaces and opportunities in a way that you never had. Like that's the Mm. purpose behind it. That's what keeps you going. And then you just do it. But then you look back and like, wait, wait, what did we just do? And like, how are we doing this? And how are we putting people in position to be in their strengths and be able to contribute from that spot? I think is really, really cool. I mean, belief stood out for me when you were talking, doing it the right way. You spoke a little bit about your spirituality. How, if at all, is your spirituality and your belief about what you're doing connected? Sure. So... When we work, we work, right? And I think that's where we need to leave it. Like work is work, but we have one life to live, right? And we all have a choice in how we want to live that life. Regardless of our circumstance, we always have a choice. So I do feel like serving others is something that does guide me in wanting to be a better human being. And that's because of my spirituality of just be a good human. It's literally that simple. Just be <laughs> yeah. a good human, right? That doesn't mean we're perfect. I've made several mistakes and I've learned from them, but treat people well. So hopefully they're going to then carry that forward and, and make impact in others' lives or the choices that they make as well. I love that. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated or complex, <laughs> no, right? right? It doesn't. No, no. Yeah. no. And I think people can get caught up in that and overthink it and not be attached to a deeper meaning that then can help guide them. So I think that's so important to hear from you. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Tallahassee Reckoning. Oh gosh, what a dream project this is. Mm. It's so interesting to me because like I've had the national experience and the experience in metropolitan areas. And it was always, again, like we've been talking about, served by a purpose to create opportunity. And then being in Tallahassee for a second time in for seven years now, I'm like, gosh, it's just not fair the way we have systems that I've contributed to, how we have them set up because it leaves out areas like Tallahassee, these smaller like markets. Mm -hmm. How do these kids get access to access to those opportunities, to the elite opportunities and how we've built the youth system and to be able to get to college and pros, like you need to live in the right area, have the right resources, have the right family structure, the transportation, all this. So 
now that we know officially for my family at Tallahassee's home, it's like, well, let's fix this. Let's solve it. And that's how Tallahassee Reckoning emerged. It was these stories of hearing and watching these players over seven years and then doing more research and looking back that, hold on, this isn't a new problem. This is something that's existed for decades where one of my teammates back in 2001, she's local from Tallahassee. And it's rare for a kid from Tallahassee to play at Florida State. How did you get here? She was commuting to guest play for a team in Boca. And that's like eight hours away. It's like, I, I know. Oh my God. I don't even get it. So yeah. there's definitely a, let's solve this to set out breaking geographic and institutional barriers. Let's bring the resources to our local players here so they don't have to go four or five hours away to chase their dreams. Like we can service them here. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's build it for them, build it around them, build mm-hmm. it with them. So it continues when we're all gone, it'll still be here. And based on them, we are centering everything else around them. So youth to pre-professional, and then we are in conversations to build a facility. Fingers crossed. We're really pushing to make sure that goes through. And then we will bid to go pro. Like that's what we want to do. We want to essentially end up creating a world-renowned development center for female soccer players here in Tallahassee, which you you speak that now, just like we did back with in the Washington Spirit days. We speak that now, and it is crazy, right? But right. 10 years, let's catch up and look back at where we are. Let's, let's, for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, with your track record, I have no doubt. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, everything that you want it to be in 10 years. You're patient. You're thoughtful. You lean on the experiences you've had before and the people around you. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I think that the equity piece, the access, you know, I think we all have stories about ourselves or our children or teammates that have to commute so far to get the experience that they need and deserve. And what you're talking about is decreasing stressors so that these athletes who are human have less adversity to deal with in their sport, to live in their life. And so that's really, really great. Yeah. No, absolutely. Let's see. I know if and when we do get this right, it'll be great to be able to replicate it in other areas like Mm -hmm. Tallahassee. And then hopefully we're shaking up the institution a little bit more across the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there's so much to be said about moving this and knowing that it's bigger than you, bigger than Tallahassee. Got to start somewhere. Right. So I'm excited. I'm excited. What does it mean to you right now to be the first female of color president of the United Soccer Coaches, the largest coaches association in the world, especially starting as an athlete yourself and moving into the coach space? Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think in the larger perspective, it means progress takes time and never give up. Like we talked about before, just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done. It means it's time for someone, maybe it's you or someone else to step up and break through. I mean, with United Soccer Coaches specifically, it took over 80 years to have a female of color elected back in 2015. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was only possible because of the individuals before me that helped push to create chance, change, I mean, to publicly and loudly advocate for it and to break the barriers and pave the pathways behind the scenes that Honestly, like I didn't even know what was happening. But mm. it took those people 
to be able, and that's again, like tie it back to what I was saying. That's why I love do what I do. I don't need the recognition for it, but I'll do the work. And I know there's hundreds of people before me that I don't know, don't know what they did, but paved that way so that when the timing was right, I stepped up and it was possible to happen and it wouldn't happen without those people. Mm -hmm. So big deal for sure. For sure. For sure. How do you handle the pressure of it? With, I think, again, going back to core values of remembering that this is a role I'm playing right now. This is a part I have to do to serve. However, it's not my life. It's just a temporary role. And I will do the best that I can do. I'll do what's right for the right reasons. And then I always lean back on my family and my spirituality. Core values, so important. Absolutely. Sometimes when I work with coaches, the athletes I serve, other members of the sport ecosystem, when I try to explore what are your values, they're like, what does that even mean? What is a value? What's an example of a value? And I think for us to be able to be, you know, living in our values is an example. I think that what I hear you saying too, and this speaks to my own belief and my own spirituality around like honoring today what our ancestors created for us to be in this space. There's so many things that you're doing for the first time. I know you don't want it to be last for others to come to pave a way. And I think the humility that you have is really cool. And so I think values, what would you say your core values are? Yeah, I think I always surround everything with my family. For me, core values is what drives my purpose uh-huh. and what kind of keeps me centered if we're talking about core values from my perspective. Yes. So my family, again, number one, they, they always and absolutely come first. And that has dictated a lot of my decision-making for roles and jobs and, and what I jump into. And if I can't control my own schedule... If I can't get to my daughter's soccer game, my son's baseball game, or to a family event, like it's not for me because that is what I'm centered around. That is what will define my life is my family. And then my spirituality, again, it has always been with me from a very young age, just because it got me through so much from my dad's profession and moving around all the time and and dealing with you know, being the new kid and people Uh are nice, you know, Uh and Uh I needed something very strong to root me at the core and always stay consistent. And that's my spirituality. And then the other core value is service. It's like you said it best. It's knowing there's a greater purpose. So what am Uh I serving? You know, it's not just me on this massive earth in this endless universe, you know? So, and how can I serve for something bigger to contribute to something better for people. That's amazing. And thank you for sharing. All really, really amazing. I think that I didn't know this about you. You know, we're both moms, that that is part of my core values as well to prioritize and schedule around family time. And my mantra has always been with my husband and I, like, if you want to do it, son or daughter, could we both have a son and a daughter? If you want to do that, then I'm going to do everything in my power to put you in the position to be successful and have fun doing it. Like you work hard enough in the classroom, in your sport to like, I wouldn't be doing you the best service or serving you as my children if I didn't know how to put you in front of people 
to help you succeed and also get you to where you need to be. Right. Right now, I'm so excited. My daughter just turned 17 and she's like doing the whole driver's license thing. (laughs) And she's a high performing club travel softball player. So we do travel a lot to get to her practices and things like to find the right match because we know just because it's close doesn't mean it's the right match for the family or the kid as far as the team goes, right? Mm-hmm. So we do commute an hour and a half one way, two to three times a week oh, to get wow. her where she needs to be, right? And right. so her biggest thing is, I'm not so into getting my driver's license, but I do want to help out because that's a lot of driving you guys do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't make right. me cry right now. Okay, thanks for that. But it's like that piece is so important. So thank you for sharing that. I know there's probably a lot of parents out there who can relate and that to be guided by the decisions that we get pulled to do and to make has to be like, how does this serve my family? Right. Serve and develop the relationships and these human beings that we are raising to be the best people they can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we had made the the decision to raise the kids, for me, that's always the most important thing then is making sure we're raising them right. That's the biggest reflection of ourselves. And Mm -hmm. they need... The guidance, you know, and the best guides that they can have are those guardian figures in their lives because they do have to deal with social media and they have to deal with with school and all these other crazy pressures. And if, gosh, to be fortunate enough to have a stable structure at home, you know, I can provide that and my husband provides that as well for our kids. That's the best thing that we could ever do in our lives. And it sounds like I agree. It sounds like we both, for different reasons, didn't have stability. And different kinds of stability. So again, it's kind of like pulling from personal experience, providing what right. we didn't have to really make, I think, this role, being a mom, is one of my most challenging and most rewarding roles in my life. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate, but like, yes. it's also the one I invest in the most, right. you know, that role. And it helps yeah. me be easier to then serve others when I know I'm taking care of what's at home. Is that something right. you think about as well? Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like you're, and I I don't want to project this on anybody, but you can almost feel like an imposter if mm. you are taking care of everybody mm. and, or, and you're showing that there's more value and importance to everyone outside of your household mm. than your, your own kids. And that's tough. And that's, I think, where you have to go back to understand what role does work play? That's right. And it is not your life. It's a job. And I know that that comes from generational shift in mindset that mm-hmm. we don't have to be beholden to these institutions and these corporations and organizations. No, it's a paycheck. That's it. Your blood, your family, that's real. So take care of that first. And honestly, if you're now in 2024, if you're working for an organization that doesn't support family values, then it's not the right place. Mm. organizations need to change their thought process on that too. You need to support moms. You need to support dads. You need to support anyone that is helping dependents. I mean, yeah, that's right. Got to be part of it. So your elderly parents, potentially Mm -hmm. like in this country, it's not valued enough. You know, I think that's a area of growth for our country to start to value our elderly a little bit more. And value intergenerational households, which I've been a part of for many years. And so I think that that's super important. 
how would you help a young athlete, like a player on the reckoning who is challenged by this is my job, but not seeing it like that? I know a lot of athletes I talk to, like, this is more than a job. And so I'm going to put more into it, but then the business of it and then family, a lot of new dads, a lot of new players, in my case, the men like getting married and like things change and like pro athlete, that is their job. They get paid, they get benefits. It is their job. How do we keep like that balance and encourage them to like prioritize their values, know what they are, stay well on all aspects? Yeah. And that's tough. I think we learn every day and we learn through experience. For me, supporting the players is huge and their mental side of it is really, really important. I think being able to create safe spaces to have conversations like this is, is one. And at all levels, so you go youth to pro, it's trying to help them, again, put it in perspective. Yes, you may love this job right now if you're playing professionally, but it does end. Uh What's your life after? What does it look like after your playing career? And athlete identity, that's a big issue when you're transitioning. It was brutal for me. I think I'm finally coming out of it. It's been like it's been like 20 years. It's (laughs) it's really hard. And just trying to make sure that. Yeah, perform at your best ability, get the resources that you need to be a high level athlete. But at the same time, where are your other growth areas? Where are your core values? What are you centered on so that when it is time to transition, you have built other tools and skill sets around that and not to distract you from what you are doing with playing and, you know, getting that professional paycheck, but Again, trying to guide them to say, let's take a look at this. Maybe it's taking a coaching course and, and starting uh-huh. to learn how to coach, learn how to scout. And that also adds to becoming a better athlete. But then also finding like really good coping strategies too, right? Meditation's huge. Working with a sports psychologist or mental performance specialist, there are ways to, to kind of help deal with the mental side of it and the work versus joy. For sure. For sure. Thank you for mentioning all that. I think the more we can name these elements and concepts, the more normalized it gets. You know, as a licensed therapist myself, working with athletes all the way from the youth, collegiate, Olympic hopeful and professional levels, that athlete identity of like not feeling like there's room to develop yourself outside of your sport and that role and that it's all we know. Right. I think there's been some I've heard in working with my clients, like the pushback of if my coach knows that I'm doing this other extracurricular thing or like developing myself outside of my sport, they're going to think I'm not as committed Mm -hmm. to my role on this team. But so many times I've heard Like you just mentioned, the athlete feels that much more fulfilled and in their meaning, in their purpose, when they can do more than just one thing. And so how do we bridge the benefit from an overall psychological well-being standpoint? And if we are going to go there, like when we're more psychologically healthy, we're going to be more productive and perform well. We're going to be injured less. We're going to recover faster and better when we're psychologically healthy. 
and like that information and that knowledge to coaches, what would be like one way that you could think that that could be bridged somehow? So there's not that tension or like doubt within the athlete. Yeah. It's kind of like the human body, right? If there's something wrong, you can't just treat one small area. Mm -hmm. It's going to affect everything. So Mm -hmm. if we're looking at the game from a holistic perspective, the player's one piece of it. And then we have the coach and then the environment that we create. So Mm -hmm. it's if we want the mental side for the player to be better, we need to make sure we're creating a good environment for that, right? Conducive to health benefits. If we want that to be better, then we need to make sure we're developing the coach. And you've seen a shift in the last like 10 years. I know sometimes Mm -hmm. some areas it's slower than others, but of, you know, philosophies with coaching and it's not just scream in a player's face and, and demean them and belittle them. That's not except, you know, the days of like Bobby Knight, like that's not really (laughs) anymore. We're not going to throw chairs on the court and, you know, we can't do that. So the, the coach plays a massive role in that because they do dictate the player's future. And to your point, when you made the example of the player saying, well, my coach will think I'm less committed if I'm doing other things. It shows the power that the coach has, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to continually educate the coaches where I really do appreciate United soccer coaches because we're, Mm -hmm. we're always looking at that. We're always trying to get at every level grassroots up to pro to understand what our different coaches communities need at the different levels. So we can support the development of our coaches with what they need. So then ultimately, it's better for the players and their experience. So having consistent resources and touch points on what should we be looking at? Like what are our players going through from a psychological standpoint or the pressures that they're dealing with in the real world or the communities that those players are coming from? How do we help support them better as a coach? And maybe that is bringing in a wellness professional that is on staff. And some places have the capabilities to do that and others don't. So the ones that don't, how do we also support them, right? The uh-huh. Another great one is U.S. Soccer Foundation started a coach mentor program. That's helping. It could be any coach, rec, youth, anything that gets free courses online to try to understand, well, how do I communicate with my players? How do I create this good environment? How do I do that? So there are resources out there and we need to continue to promote and educate our coaches first and foremost to help guide our players and then make sure those players have the resources that they need to understand from youth to pro, how do you deal with these different situations, identity, you know, if that's as an athlete, as work professional, how do you deal with the adversity that you're going to face, the ups and downs of everything and the personal professional development? No, those are all amazing points and tips. I think that there are resources out there. I think that the culture shift is one to be patient around and to still push. I think what generation you're from as a coach, it has everything to do with how open you are to making the changes and like the the mindset shift, but Mm -hmm. we're here for it. I know you and I are in in different roles, but I know that the United Soccer Coaches Convention's coming up in Anaheim. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, yes. And what are you looking forward to the most from what that can bring? Oh my gosh, I love it every year. It's so great. It's next week. 
I'll get there on Tuesday, be there okay. till Sunday. And for me at this point in my my life, it's just, it's fun to go and reconnect with people, mm-hmm. right? Every year you develop, you know, a larger network, a stronger network, and just being able to catch up with friends, colleagues, sit in on some of the latest developments, a bigger presence on the mental aspect of sports that's in there. The women's game, there's so many more conversations around it and the growth that's happened in the last three years alone has been insane. So that's, I love the networking aspect of it. I like to connect with people and hear what they're doing and how I can support or who I can connect them with. Yeah, but it's a great time. It's a great excuse to get together, you know, around a a game that we're all there, that we all love that same game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not surprised by your answer. I mean, this is about (laughs) relationships for you, connecting, deepening the ones you have, making new ones, seeing what more you can create with one another. I think that's awesome. I mean, we've alluded to your father throughout our talk today. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, how do you feel your father's experience as an NFL arena football and world football coach has influenced you, not just in your professional roles, but as a person as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly an interesting way to grow up, but it really <laughs> helped me put things in perspective. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, watching my dad and it was also his brothers and then the professionals, right? The professional players taught me several things at a very young age. One, there was no equity for women in sports on mm-hmm. or off the field. Uh-huh. It didn't exist uh-huh. at all. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. my brother would get to go do things all the time. And if I asked if I could go, they'd be like, no girls or women aren't allowed. I'm like, Mm. like literally that was told to you. Literally, literally. Yep. And then two, you know, that space is a very cold space to be in. It's Mm. it's pretty cutthroat. It was hard to understand at at a young age, but it was eye-opening. I think the, you know, three professional coaches and athletes are just people too. They're not elitist. They're not entitled. They're not you know, this 1% that we put on a pedestal, they're just people. And then four, there's a better way to do things. I think that's what really resonated with me. It was, like I said, tying all that together. For me, it was just normal life, but then to see how people reacted around it or wanted to meet this person, that the hoopla that went with it, the, uh-huh. the media scrutiny that came with it, the the teasing and taunting that went with it, it was weird because then the next day everyone could be celebrating. So that again, I think goes back to relationships and understanding Mm -hmm. the significance and the value because in the sports space, we idolize and and create these like fake spaces. And I don't appreciate Mm -hmm. it at all. (laughs) I don't. And it's not something I I really jive with. Ashley, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by a fake space? Let's break that down. I think the fake space, it's the, as much as you need the fandom, it's very fleeting at times, right? Or even Uh people that want to be your friend or associate with you just so they could go meet like Barry Sanders, right? Gotcha. So the conditional, the conditional relationships, the connections that are based on who you are and who you know and what you can do for me. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's just not me. And again, because keep us in perspective, that's I'm in elementary school. I'm in middle school. Like Mm -hmm. that's happening. I'm the new kid. And it was, it's already hard enough being a kid. And, you know, those years trying to 
figure out where your place is and where you belong to them. For sure. People tugging at you one way or another or taunting you because the Detroit Lions lost a game and mm-hmm. they, they need to fire your dad and your uncle. And it's like, oh, like it's weird. It's interesting. It taught me a lot of lessons. But again, really driving back to the core values of what's important, who you can actually trust, who has your back. And I think it was very eye-opening. And then obviously on the, the equity side, it's like, wait, hold on, dad. Like I can't be a professional field goal kicker in the NFL. Nope, girls don't belong. But lots of eye-opening experiences in that, right? For sure. No, I mean, we can unpack that for a whole another two, three hours together, but there's so much there. I mean, like one thing that stood out of many is like, why do your classmates get to know the business of your family's jobs? Like, that's rare. Like, right. if my father works for an accounting firm, like no one's going to know if he like balanced it correctly or not or whatever. And like, it's not <laughs> right. going to be in the paper. And like, I don't have right. to defend it. And you as yeah. a young girl, that's yeah. a lot. That's yeah. a lot. It was a lot. It was, I think the kids that were like that would act that way. You could get away with it, right? Because they're still learning too. Let's give them some grace. It was always more interesting when it was the adults. Mm-hmm. If it was, and I did bat a lot where, you know, some coaches weren't very kind to me in different sports that I played. And it's because they had these preconceived notions that, oh, well, you're entitled or you're this or that. So I always felt, aside from being a female of color, like I always felt I had to work above and beyond mm. that to prove mm-hmm. myself to the coaches and then everybody else so that nobody thought I was on a free ticket. Right? right. I was getting a free ride. I was really getting a fair shake and that that I earned everything that I got. So that coming from battling that with some of the coaches, not all of them, but some of them was pretty interesting. Very. And I'm sure some were more overt and covert than others. I mean, sometimes the covert way is even that much more like, what? Yeah. Way of questioning and like not just saying straight up, like, I know who you are, so you got to do this. But like the way it can be insidious and kind of like, Right. Really blended in to all the other yeah. ways you kind of have to fight for your space. Right. Yeah. And then again, at that, at that age, trying to, as a kid, you need role models. Mm-hmm. You need to be guided. So when you have some of those false figures in your pathway that aren't there to work for you, it can be very confusing because then you're like, wait, am I trusting this person? Are they trying to help me? Are they trying to push me down? What's actually happening? And it becomes very, like I said, very confusing and unclear. But let's go back again to core values, right? Yeah. Um, it's that yep. that spirituality that helped me. It's I had the best mom in, in the world. And my brother is was my number one. So those three pieces like really got me through everything. No, again, so important. I mean, you're also shedding light on the pressure and the spotlight. And now, like you had mentioned earlier, social media, how Mm. do these young people manage all of this? You know firsthand, you have your own lived experience of managing, quote unquote, I don't know, fame, public eye. How do you build the skill set to protect your own well-being and be clear? So I think the values, if you're ever in doubt, you need to know them and go back to them like a map. Right. right. Like, this is your guide. This is your compass. Yeah. This is where how you make your decisions. Can I add to that real yes, quick? Yes, please. That, especially for the youth athletes. That is why I cannot emphasize enough how important 
a coach is and the role that the coach plays or even, you know, any adult figure in their life because they are looking, they're grasping, they need, these athletes need support and trusted support. So the coach needs to understand it's not just winning, right? It's not just about developing the player on the field. It's about being a good adult role model in their lives because you don't know the actual situation those kids are dealing with or what they're coming from, whether it's the home life, whether it's stuff at school or social media, like they are coming to you and it might be an escape that they need at that time. Uh So your, I mean, your role as a coach, your role as a teacher, like you have to have to step up and, and make sure you're there for those kids. And taking care of yourself and prioritizing mm-hmm. who you are so that you can be there for others. It kind of goes full circle right. again. Like we have to take care of our home, our own selves before right. we extend out or else it might be a little bit confusing. And the way we do it is for the wrong reasons and not the right reasons. And so right. in that vein, you have many, many roles. You take care of a lot of people. You serve a lot of people. You're in charge of a lot of people's human development. How do you take care of yourself? What are the like top three ways that you take care of yourself and your own well-being? Sure. I mean, oh, look, let's be honest. I can always do better. This isn't a... Can't top- we all? I mean, yeah. it's, it's evolving and never perfect and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. And one thing I definitely need to be able to do better that needs to be re-put in my top three is working out, right? I've been so inconsistent with that this year, but... Mm-hmm. There's something about getting a really good workout in that just releases all those toxins and stress. So that's one thing. I really, really do enjoy meditation. And I mean, there is meditation for every possible thing you're going through, right? So if you need a quick five-minute reboot... For sure. You know, if you Uh need 30 minutes or an hour, you know, ground yourself in the grass, like you can do it. So I, I do love meditation. And then honestly, it goes back to... To my family, if I can spend some time, have some fun with them, mm. that does keep me keep me going and again kind of pulls me out of whatever I'm deep into of just recentering and remembering why I do what I do mm-hmm. and what life is really about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of the mouth of babes, you can say, right? Like they really like bring you into the moment, remind you of like what's really right. important. Like that hug or that look or that yes. like yes. is everything. It's like, wait, I needed that just to kind of get through the rest <laughs> of this day or like yes. the rest of this project. But exactly. I can't relate enough. I mean, I think the workout too, as a collegiate athlete, the adjustment over time, you know, children, your own body, like how you interact with it and what workouts mean you're not working out like a collegiate soccer player anymore. And so like, what does that mean? And how is that okay? Like, I think that's a thing that happens. And if we are getting pregnant, if we are birthing children, if we are trying to get our our bodies back to a certain place, like what's realistic, those are real conversations. And like even male athletes who leave their professional sport and then like try to integrate into the world and whatever that might be in the athlete identity what does working out mean? What does moving your body mean? What does exercising mean? It's for a different right. reason now. And I think that's yeah. an important thing to mention. Meditation is yes. amazing too. Oh, were you going to say something about the workout too, please? Yeah, that was your spot on. That was an incredible adjustment. And I'm still adjusting. I have not, like be honest, I have not found a good groove in that because when you're, uh-huh. when you're in that, you are training for purpose. Everybody's yes. Training to develop, you're training to get better. 
you're training to win that next game. You're training to win that championship. And you wake mm-hmm. up day in, day out to do that. You've never trained to, oh, I need to look good. Like it was never <laughs> Or I need to work out to be healthy. It was never any of that. So reprogramming, like I get stuck in cycles where I can do something for like 30 days and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so boring. I don't know what the real Mm. purpose. I mean, I know it's for my health, but like I need, I I haven't found it, but like I need that. I was, I joke around now that pickleball is huge. I'm like, I'm going to become a professional pickleball player. I'm like, I need, I need to be an athlete again. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but yeah, the the workout adjustment from being an athlete to not and then working like behind a desk nine hours a day. Right. Um, it's so go do a 30 minute workout. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> I haven't figured it out. But hopefully one day when I'm 80, let's reconnect again. <laughs> I haven't figured out then. How your workouts going, I'll ask. <laughs> no, I mean, it's an ongoing evolution. That doesn't stop. I mean, I'm included in there. Like what makes sense? What feels good? What's fun? It changes. Yeah. Pickleball, we could talk another three or four hours about that. <laughs> I love that. And golf is interesting. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have picked that up because my son is interested. My eight-year-old son is interested. Okay. So like, but being realistic, like that's not a cardiovascular workout. We know that, but right. there are other benefits. Like what right. are they? And looking at those as opportunities to grow as a person. Sure. And to spend time with him, we go play a nine hole course and like we pack a snack and sometimes we sit under a tree in between holes and yep. have a chat and he's just chatty Kathy the whole time. So there's yep. the benefits for your mental health too, for your overall well being, being in nature, having that yep. chat, connecting mm-hmm. is also like we don't think about that as high performing athletes. Like we're just out here to kind of like kick some ASS. So anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Meditation is great too. I think that a lot of people who are new to it think it's like just a thing that like folks who are hippies or like our Buddhists Mm -hmm. do. Like there's a lot of still like misinformation about it. We know that it's really huge for so many benefits, relaxation, getting Mm -hmm. grounded, regulating your emotions on and off the field. So many things. Optimism Mm -hmm. is increased. So many things. So just the education too on the coach's side, on the player side of how it can benefit and actually help performance overall. And then I think if you've ever done the love language test, I don't know if you've had, like what's no. your love language? I would say your number one love language is quality time. I think it would be. Oh, yeah, I can there, see that. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. There's like quality time, gifts, physical touch, to name a few. But the way you're talking and the way that you, one of the big ways that you kind of refuel it's time with people, time with your family. So right. I think like, if you want to love on Ashley, it's quality time, people. Like <laughs> connect, connect. Yeah, genuine quality time. No fake spaces. No yeah. fake spaces. No fake spaces. Yeah. But you're right because it goes back to like the beginning when we started the conversation. I'm like I'm a free spirit. Like I'm a lover of life and we have one life to live. Like shouldn't we be enjoying it? So I love enjoying it with my people. And that's my kids. That's my husband, my parents, my family. I love it. And we will end on that. I so appreciate our time together. I appreciated getting to know you, speaking with you. And like, I'm a fan. I'm going to be following all the things that you're continuing to create and develop. And I'm going to like embody the energy that you have and let it inspire me and the projects that I have. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Awesome. I appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed your time and, and the conversation. and. 
Yeah, let's definitely keep in touch. I think we have a, a check-in in 10 years and then when I'm 80. So let's keep that on the book. <laughs> At least that. At least that. <laughs> right. Thanks again. All right. Thank you.